Rigdon. Note that the observer will never be separated from the observable, for he will perceive the observable through his own experience. In fact, he will observe aspects of himself. While talking about the world, in reality, a person will voice an opinion of his interpretation of the world based on his way of thinking and his experience, but not of the complete picture of reality which can only be perceived from the perspective of higher dimensions. Anastasia It is obvious that such observations in the usual state of consciousness will be made by a person with the help of comparison and judgments about similarities and differences of objects in relation, firstly, to himself. Richten Quite right. Comparison mechanisms have been built into human's nature to enable him to learn, receive and process experience, acquire skills, borrow behavior style and so on faster through imitation and associative way of thinking. Because of this, a person can be taught various actions and behavior patterns, and he can also discover the surrounding world very quickly. However, All this is associated with identification and contrast, in other words, with comparison. After all, there must be a comparison for a judgment. And here, a lot depends on what dominates in the personality as an observer, spiritual nature or animal nature. When spiritual nature dominates, comparison plays a secondary role. It is only needed for the transfer of your spiritual experience through known associations. In a spiritual practice, the cognition process happens due to the feeling of intuition, expanded consciousness, and an inner understanding of all the processes that are completely new for the person, where there is no need to compare anything, where there is simply clear comprehension of all the processes which cannot be explained by logic. A person feels he is a part of the spiritual world, a part of a big whole, of the true reality. When animal nature dominates, a personality entirely immerses itself into the game of illusions of the material world. It is constantly comparing itself to someone based on some attribute, intellectual, professional, appearance, type of a person, and so on. To better understand, Let's examine a typical situation. When in such a state, what does a person usually think about his neighbor or a colleague at work whose salary is a bit more or whose position is a bit higher? As a rule, he compares them with himself. For example, he's just like me, how am I worse? And so on. Pridefulness from the animal nature also triggers the mechanism of envy which provokes a wave of aggression and anger. The person blames his inner blunders on the people around him or indulges in self-criticism. The animal nature tends to amplify the thoughts of self-suppression and self-oppression in a person, that he, once again, as compared to others, is doing something wrong or is worse off than the rest. In this case, one must remember that it is not the animal who is the critic, but that conscience is your best aid. Anastasia What exactly pushes a person to judge someone? 
Rigdon. First of all, those dominant characteristics from the animal nature that he has inside himself. One must pay attention to this when such judgmental thoughts appear. Secondly, numerous egoistic illusions, behavior patterns, as well as work of the animal nature, which cause emotional surges that push a person to judge someone. The patterns of such type, for instance, as I can do better than someone else, my opinion is the only right one, and so on. In other words, they're based on egoism, the wish to secretly rule over other people and give orders to them, and to build one's own illusionary empire of influence. Basically, all these are tools with which the animal nature controls and manipulates a human being. Thirdly, a person is pushed to judge someone because of the attempts of the animal nature to find and come up with problems that do not exist in reality, but the thoughts about which will make the person hold a negative mindset for a long time. The latter helps in forming the habit of negative thinking of the personality. In other words, whatever a person talks or thinks about, everything will be bad and negative for him all the time, and most importantly, he will endlessly keep judging it. What is it fraught with? This process focuses and keeps a person's attention on these thoughts for a long time. And attention is power, the beginning of creation. The focus of attention has the ability to concentrate and accumulate certain types of energies, the surge of which gives rise to action or creation of something. Emotions, thoughts, actions, events, in the visible and the invisible world. This, in its turn, creates man's destiny both during his lifetime as well as after the death of the physical body. Whether the result of this action is positive or negative depends on the person's choice, his priorities, the everyday habit of his way of thinking, and on how much he is able to control and discipline his thoughts and emotions. Anastasia And in what ways does the animal nature cause the so-called states of unfounded aggression in a person? Rigdon The states of unfounded aggression are particularly frequent when man loops his thinking on his own pridefulness and pays much attention to the struggle for domination of his authoritative opinion among friends and people close to him. Naturally, such a person is dominated by the animal nature which makes him dependent on its programs and patterns. In this case, man becomes easily manipulated by the material mind through the system of consumeristic values, where satisfying the animal nature's endless needs becomes of paramount importance. Anastasia Why do people care so much and brood about someone else's opinion of them? Rigdon Evaluating oneself and others and the resulting comparison actually originates from the animal part of human. This is the ancient instinct to be the alpha male or the alpha female. The animal nature always strives to look bigger and more beautiful in the opponent's eyes. That is why a person is so concerned and broods about someone else's opinion of him. Typically, this is limited by the desire to seem rather than to be. The person is worried, what will others say? 
but he does not even pause to think about who exactly is going to judge him. Humans' fear of the opinion of other people's animal nature comes from pridefulness and conceit. Why? Because in this case, another person's criticism is viewed as downplaying the significance of one's own ego. At the same time, all of this is part of a single process, the fight for domination and power over other people. Hence, resentment grows, as well as depression and aggression. Anastasia, please tell the readers what must be done to avoid all these situations. Rigdon, the human being, the personality, is located in the body, and the body is the home territory of the animal nature. If you know about possible attacks, you can always undertake a counterattack. It is like in reconnaissance. If you have to confront an enemy who is far superior to you in forces, it is important to know the quantity and quality of its force, deployment, tactics, and techniques of its actions to create an effective counteraction. It will then increase your chances of victory. You must control the processes of comparison in your mind. As often as possible, you need to ask yourself questions of such nature as, for instance, where does the envy come from? What and who am I comparing? Is this comparison appropriate? People cannot be identical. Everyone is unique and different in their characteristics in terms of build, genetics, and character, talents, the level of diligence, and so on. People have specific features not only in their visible, but also in their invisible structure. Simply put, everybody is different. Each has his own. Everyone carries his own cross, has his own destiny. It is better, of course, to use the following motto when the animal nature shows itself. Don't compare, don't be prideful, and don't be jealous. It is better to treat any situation from the perspective of the observer from the spiritual nature. In other words, separate it from the thoughts and emotions of the animal nature. You must accept situations and people as they are, because every situation and every person in it is some kind of a teacher. You must be able to learn positive lessons from any circumstances, even negative ones, to be satisfied with what you have. After all, the root of the feeling of satisfaction is not in the external world, but in the inner world of man, in his deepest desire. If a person wants to become a spiritual personality, then all his wishes must be about the spiritual zeal. It is important for a human to remember that the aspiration to seem does not mean to be. The main thing is to rely on the inner, on that which is coming from the soul. To live not for the sake of the opinion of other animal natures. Conscience is the best judge. By making a personal decision to keep a watch on your thoughts, it is very difficult to allow yourself to slack off. In human, the purity of inner revelation before himself is important, since he's never alone. God is always with him. Often, when people do not bother with the analysis of their own actions, as well as with control and discipline of their thoughts, they begin to interfere in someone's life with advice and preaching. We must remember that people talk not about what worries their conversation companion, 
but about what they themselves would like to sort out. As a wise man once said, while teaching someone, learn yourself, and one day you will understand what you have been teaching. One must not always interfere with the lives of others, but it is always necessary to give the right of personal choice to every individual. Everyone chooses the life for which they will later be responsible. Being an example and taking responsibility for your thoughts, words, and actions is worthy of a human. Giving advice when you're not asked and preaching when it is not wanted means to commit an act of violence upon a personality, even if it's a lazy and misguided one. Life takes from each according to his abilities and gives to everyone according to their merits, and not the external ones, but the internal ones. The more you change your inner world, refine yourself and your personal qualities, the more these changes are projected onto the outside world. While in the state of domination of the spiritual nature, man understands himself, analyzes his thoughts and actions in a calm and clear state of mind. Any external situation and provocations of negativity from others serve as a signal for personal work on himself, as gaining certain experience in self-perfection. After all, as a rule, provocations come from the corresponding impulse originating from the person himself, so one must keep his thoughts, words, and emotions under control. Inner doubts cause external chaos. Solid knowledge begets calm and order. When a person learns to control himself, he will not wait for a push from the outside to get moving. He will follow the path of self-perfection on his own. It should be remembered, a wise man learns even from his enemies. The purpose and objectives of the animal nature are to distract a person by various means from the main thing, spiritual development and to catch his attention in his weak spots. The ways the animal nature attacks are different, but there are common elements. Always, these traps are based on selfishness in one form or another, either masochism as a mental self-flagellation and self-pity, or narcissism, i.e. self-admiration. These are the two main extremes of the animal nature. Always, when the animal nature attacks, the flows from the inside out disappear and there appears pressure from the outside in, which can be clearly traced at the level of feelings. If you, as a personality, aspire to spiritual liberation, you simply suppress such provocations. And the latter is very important, because when you notice or feel the start of an attack, you have already won half the battle with the animal nature. After all, the power of the animal nature lies in its stealth. Knowing this, you can always take countermeasures. Figuratively speaking, it is like in martial arts. If you are mentally and physically better prepared than your opponent, if you know the methods of his fight as well as his habits, if you foresee the slightest signs of an attack and properly react to his favorite hits in a timely manner, then you have time to deliver counterattacks and therefore have more chances of victory. You must anticipate a strike and move aside in time. But if you do not even suspect that the animal nature is your opponent, 
thinking that it is your partner, well then of course, there is no point in talking about your chances of winning. After all, you will perceive his assaults and aggressive attacks as your natural state without understanding why and what for life castigates you so much, and you will constantly be caught up in its slightest provocations without distinguishing your real from the imaginary. The more you constrain yourself to self-discipline and the more you oppose the thoughts of the animal nature, the more you gain power over it. Here, it is like in war. Either you get the enemy or he will get you. Your task is to win at all costs, here and now. Time is fleeting, and you must be fast to do all sorts of good and be firm in your intention to save the soul. When a warrior is secretly in the enemy's camp, he will not think about delicacies or luxury or entertainment. He will be focused on victory. The warrior will keep watch three times as much, for he is in the enemy's camp. He will think about how to win this moment of the war. A true warrior keeps his deepest feelings away from the sins of the visible world. He does not look with envy, partiality, or jealousy at someone else's things. He does not give free rein to his imagination, distorted by the illusions of the world. For illusions of the world are the enemy's camp, and woe comes from being tempted by them. The warrior will not give free rein to anger when he loses the current battle, for no matter how singed he may get by the enemy during the confrontation, all will be for the warrior's benefit, for his spirit will become stronger and more prudent, and his subsequent deeds will become wiser. Anastasia And how can you unblock the state of narrowed consciousness imposed on you by the animal nature? Rigdon, realizing that you're under an attack of the animal nature, it is always possible and necessary to unblock this state. In other words, to take the following actions. Actually, the animal nature also has its vulnerabilities. It is afraid of two things. The transience of time and the death of the body. So the first thing you must do during an attack is to mentally step away from the attachment of yourself to the body, to look at it from the perspective of the observer from the spiritual nature of the expanded consciousness, as if you were looking at the earth from space. You need to realize that time is fleeting and all passes very quickly, that your physical body is mortal, just like all its desires and needs. Next, it is necessary to expand your perception of the world and analyze the situation from different angles from the perspective of the observer from the spiritual nature. Approach the question about your inner in a self-critical way, using the existing knowledge about man and the world, and get to the bottom of the secret desires of your animal nature. As a rule, the basis of its many desires lies in the thirst for power over someone or something. It merely camouflages this desire with various subtle pretexts. And of course, after that, you must carry out the inhibition of neurons excited by such aggression. In simple terms, you must do spiritual practices. For example, the lotus flower, the description of which was given in the book Sensei. Thanks to this practice, 
the holistic perception of the world gets restored, the limitation of consciousness is removed, and the depth of feelings emanating from the soul is manifested. In other words, a surge of deep feelings from the inside to the outside happens. Naturally, following such a change in the state of consciousness, a person switches to a positive perception of the world. The brain, decoding this information, comes up with a range of associations colored in positive emotions. So a way out of the narrowed state of consciousness is connected with active counter-arguments, understanding of temporariness and mortality of matter, the choice of life course for the spiritual orientation, and the use of appropriate tools to tune it to the desired positive wavelength. Often, it is the basic argument that people lack, words to convince themselves to come out of a narrowed state of consciousness and see a broader picture of the world. That is why it is important to work on yourself in each day and to understand all the responsibility to yourself. It is necessary to remember that as long as consciousness, or rather a personality, is unstable in its dominant choice, the person wavers and dwells in his doubts. To be steady on your spiritual path, you must know exactly what you want to achieve in your life and what your ultimate purpose is. If there is no purpose, there is no life, for life is a purposeful movement. Anastasia Some readers have observed in their letters that while doing spiritual practices or saying prayers, they sometimes have a sudden feeling of panic and fear. How can this be explained? Rigdon It depends on the person his attitude to and understanding of the processes that take place inside him. Because when you know exactly what is happening with you, you can always take adequate measures to overcome any situation. Subpersonalities, for the most part, are unfriendly towards the soul and its world, the world of God, because of the prevailing choice of matter in their past lives. In spiritual practices, when the meditator seeks union with the soul, the following manifestations may happen. The person seems to have managed to suppress, stop, the thought process, that is, to remove thoughts and tune himself to contact through feelings with the soul. But there may be another manifestation of attack of the animal nature. For no apparent reason, there appears absolutely unjustified panic and fear. The person begins to feel as if he is losing control over his body. A little more and he will die. Where do the roots of this fear grow from? Exactly from these subpersonalities, optical filters that are filled with fear before the power of the soul, because they experienced reincarnation and understand their doom, inevitability of death of all that is material. Anastasia What is to be done when such fear arises? Rigdon When this happens, for example during meditations, you just need to go towards the light of the soul, no matter what, and to delve to a deeper level of feelings, ignoring the panic. Then this fear will disappear. After all, fear begets doubts. But in order to achieve spiritual heights, you will need purity of your sincere faith. It is often doubts and fear to part with the familiar life that restrain a person. 
There is an interesting parable in this respect. One day, a man fell off a cliff, but while falling, he managed to catch hold of a branch of a small tree which grew out of the rock crevice. Hanging in the middle of the cliff, he realized the hopelessness of his situation. It was impossible to climb to the top, and there were only boulders at the bottom. The hands holding the branch grew weaker. The man thought, Now only God can save me. I've never believed in him, but it seems that I was wrong. What do I lose in my situation if I believe in him now? And he began, calling upon God with all his sincerity in prayer. God, if you exist, save me. I have never believed in you, but if you save me now, from this moment on, I am always going to believe in you. So he called out more than once. Suddenly, a voice came from heaven. You will believe? Oh no, I know people like you. The man got so frightened and surprised that he almost let go of the branch. But after coming to his senses, he prayed even harder. Please, God. From now on, I will be faithful to you above all, and I will do all that is your will. Just save me. But God was not agreeing. So, the man began praying and persuading God even more passionately and strongly. Finally, God took pity on him and said, Well, so be it. I will save you. Let go of the branch. What? Release the branch? exclaimed the man. You think I'm crazy? So is in life. Human life is, in essence, hanging over a precipice. And even though he understands the mortality of his position, he keeps clinging with both of his hands to the branch of doubts of his animal nature, afraid to lose it and to surrender to the will of God. So when you are interpreting associations after a meditation, it is important to analyze who exactly in you is so afraid of eternity. A similar method of self-examination on the topic who am I and related techniques have been used for a long time in the spiritual and mystical schools of different peoples and in different religious systems. They have been known since ancient times, and they were especially common among many people in ancient India and the countries of the East. They were practiced, for example, by the ancient yogis, Sufis, and shamans. This technique, as you remember, involves unwinding thoughts on the topic who am I in a meditative state where it is necessary to ask yourself a new mental question after each of your mental answers and to observe what thoughts come to feel their nature and to ask yourself more often who is the one that is answering in me. It is advisable that all thoughts flow smoothly without much reflection or concentration. When a thought comes, we meet it immediately with a question and see it off with the first answer that comes to mind. But the main thing is to submerge deeper and deeper into yourself. Anastasia Yes, this is an interesting technique of recognizing thoughts and sensations in order to understand yourself and who dominates in your consciousness. It does help to sort yourself out, to separate grain from chaff. I remember the guys sharing their impressions about this technique. So many variations could be heard. They had so many ways to corner their animal nature. 
They asked, who am I? Who is asking the question? Am I a body? But the body is mortal. I'm a student. But student is a status. I'm the one who is learning. But who is learning? I'm a human being. But who in me is calling me a human being and why? I'm a human being who loves people. But who in me loves? I have a body. But who are you who has the body? The body is not me, but I'm in it. And who is this I? Oh, go to hell. I is the I, the whole and indivisible. So the animal nature also has a sense of humor. This is a very good exercise that helps get to your deepest I, to your fears and problems. Rigdon. Yes. The animal nature is both an adversity and a school of wisdom, being aware of whose side such thoughts come from, from where this or that problem appears, this or that root of fear. You realize how to get rid of it and how to control your conditions. If this meditative technique of self-examination is done correctly, afterwards there appears acuity and clarity of consciousness. As I have already mentioned, there are significant differences between the surface feelings emanating from the animal nature and the deepest feelings emanating from the spiritual nature, the true feelings of manifestation of the highest love. For example, in order to immerse yourself into the state of convergence with the soul during the spiritual practice lotus flower and to experience the deepest feelings, First of all, your sincerity and your openness to God are needed. You must simply go towards the light of the soul, no matter what. In this meditation, you build up the deepest feeling of love for God. In other words, the force emanating from the soul is used for its intended purpose. Note that a genuine and correct spiritual practice is work with the deepest feelings and not with thoughts. During these moments, the only thing that dominates in a person is the spiritual desire, same as in the soul. 